Hello, and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here spreading the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has not only in building a better relationship with yourself, but also with your community and with our beautiful planet. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can not only empower your relationship with yourself, but also empower your relationship with your community and with our beautiful planet. So if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.org. And we have a very special new addition to what we're doing. We now have a membership program called the Lifeline Membership Program, which offers support calls, group support calls, free admission to our events, workshops, specialized merch. So we also have special discounts going for students, teachers, frontline workers. So if you want to hear more about this, please go to our website at the LY Foundation slash membership for more info. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insight, thoughts, and experiences on today's topic. My name is JR, IT tech, web admin, and board member of the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator for the Love Yourself Foundation. How are you doing today, JR? I'm doing good. Week has been pretty good for the most part, but you know, as always, I'm so excited to get to have this opportunity to talk to you and do the show. And I think today is going to be a very interesting one, something that we haven't dove into before, but I'm excited to get started. But how are you doing? I'm doing well as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think that I am excited about today's topic. And if you couldn't guess by the title, we're talking about attraction today. And I think that we talk a lot about a lot of different internal processes, but, you know, attraction is something that is about other people. And it's really exciting to kind of dive into all the different facets of it and how it impacts our life. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I do have a candle off to the right of me. That's not by design. I did not do that for this particular episode, not trying to get the you know mood started or anything like that. I always do that for every episode, but I think it kind of just gets you ready, you know, get the mind ready and to understand that, you know, attraction sometimes just isn't a physical thing either. So doing the research and trying to come up with the notes for this episode, really opened my mind up to other facets of attraction. So I hope that this opens up everybody else's mind as well and maybe teaches everyone a thing or two, including myself and, and for you as well, Ayla. So how about we just get started? As always, we talk about the definition of the topic that we're discussing and attraction. The definition of it is the action or power of invoking interest, pleasure, or liking for someone or something. And I thought that was very interesting too to note is that it's not necessarily just about a person. Sometimes it could be about really anything that attracts you. So what do you think about that? No, I'm I'm glad that the definition includes that because I think when we think of attraction, we go to people first, but we can be attracted to lifestyles, to food, to to different things in our life. And I think that while going through the episode, it's really important to just consider how it affects not only like your interaction with people, but other things in your life too. Yeah. And I see that you have another note here as well about loneliness and isolation. Yeah. So 
when considering attraction, it isn't just something that we experience with no fault as as all things. There's good and bad. And attraction is really important to understand because loneliness and isolation are big, big risk factors to leading a healthy and happy life. And during my time in undergrad, a big thing that we learned was that our connection to other people is such an indicator into how happy we are. And no matter how introverted or antisocial you are, being around people is really crucial for your health in some sort of way. So with going through this episode, it's really important to take what you learn and kind of consider how it impacts your life in that sort of way. I'm glad that you brought that up because that connection to other people is really important. This is something I've actually been kind of struggling with as of late for the past maybe week or two. Kind of getting in that that mode or maybe experiencing maybe a little bit of depression or, or what have you. I do tend to try and go into isolation or try to be on my own to figure things out. And you have told me multiple times that, you know, the best thing that you can do is try to be around people that you like, that you love, go out and and be around them. So this is something that I, I am trying to wrap my head around a little bit more, not try to get too caught up in the loneliness of things. I think part of me still feels like because I have not experienced that to the fullest of, you know, just being out on my own and and, you know, getting off of social media and just telling friends like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a little bit. It's okay. I'm going to be fine. I just need to, you know, figure things out is something that I try to make sense of a little bit more. Sometimes I think that it's the right thing to do. Sometimes I think that it's not the right thing to do. So that's something that I'm constantly having to go through right now. Yeah. And for those of you at home who can't see my screen, I do have my notes from when I took a class on attraction and close relationships. And I'm just going to go over a few of the notes that I have here. And I'm interested to hear your perspective on this as well. So regarding loneliness, which is a feeling of deprivation about social relationships, this is most likely to occur actually in times of transition or disruption. Mm -hmm. So when there's a big period of change or something is causing a big disruption in your plans and your goals and your habits, that's when you're most likely to feel lonely because you're like, wow, like, I feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. And it also says that this is most likely to happen or 18 years to 30 year olds are the most lonely of the population. Mm. So that's a, a big chunk of like our first years in adult life. And I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. It's like, you experience the most traumatic things <laughs> during that time that makes you get into this type of mode. And what you were saying about it causing or is a cause of transition or disruption, I think in a positive sense, the therapy sessions I've been going through the past couple of weeks have uh, you know, brought things up to light that I haven't really experienced before, I haven't really talked about. And I think that's part of the disruption that I'm experiencing right now is just something that wasn't there before is now right in front of me that I don't really have an answer to right now, or I'm still trying to figure out that's, I think where the loneliness is coming out of is that I don't have the answers right now. And I think that I just need to remind myself that it's okay to have this kind of experience and know that there will be an answer at some point that just sometimes you have to go through these little weird times to get to that. Yeah. And something I find interesting here is I wrote that, I guess one of the points was that When we experience loneliness, we tend to engage in solitary activities and overvalue trivial relationships. And that last part is really interesting to me to think that, because I know that that's, that's kind of true for me when I'm 
when I'm feeling lonely, I tend to be like, wow, like I'm happy. I have friends that like don't require a lot of me and I can just go by myself for a while. But I think that that's interesting to think of that. That actually isn't helping my loneliness. The fact that they don't reach out often and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, that is kind of interesting to, to know that you have that kind of correlation with that and how much that does not attribute to anything that you're really experiencing. So it's just, I guess the moral of the story here is it's nice to just talk things out <laughs> because right now, just in the past, like two, three minutes, I'm just like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I get it. Now I understand. So yeah. Sorry to everybody to go off on this little tangent, but just, you know, <laughs> that's kind of what is happening right now. And it's, it's on topic. So it's just, it's nice to be able to just discuss that part of it and know that this is a part of attraction or a, a risk part of factor, the conversation, part of the conversation. Hello. Hello. So yeah. yeah. Well, with that, I know that you are going to go over the different types of attraction, which I'm really intrigued by. Yes. So from betterhelp.com, there are a couple of types of attraction. Some of these I didn't even really know until I did the research. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to try to glance over them as quickly as possible because we got a lot of stuff to kind of talk about. So first off, one of the types of attraction is sexual attraction. This is the most common one. Uh, feeling of something towards someone in a sexual way. And this is something that in my mind when I was you know, getting the show notes together, that attraction, especially with sexual attraction, seems to be the easiest one to kind of pinpoint of, you know, you see a a person of the same sex, opposite sex, whatever it may be, and right away you think, oh man, I wonder wonder what that's like. (laughs) I'm trying to keep it as PG as possible. So this is, (laughs) we're just going to go rapidly on. But what do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely the easiest to pinpoint, probably because the first... And then this is something that I see often is people saying in relationships, oh, you overvalue like physical looks. But I think that that's a big part of everything. And that's what research shows is that physical looks is a key indicator of attraction. And so I think when it comes to if that's like one of the key indicators, obviously sexual attraction is going to be up there as something that, oh, yeah, attraction means that you're attracted to them sexually. Right. Like it just kind of goes together that way. Right. And it's also, you know, make a point of is sexual attraction just does not revolve around sex itself. It's really any kind of sexual physicalness to that attraction as well. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking about that. Next one is romantic attraction. This type of attraction is where you want to be in a relationship with the person. You may want to be with them without necessarily wanting the sexual aspect of a relationship. Feelings are stronger and not considered a friendship. So that's the the difference between a friendship and a romantic relationship. So what do yeah, you think? I love this definition and it kind of makes me happy because I'm one of the hopeful romantics I like to say out there. Just because you know that like you actually do have feelings for someone when you do get to this point of like, wow, I want to go to Target with them. And <laughs> and yeah. like, I, w- I want to do these like mundane things, but even with them. Also something that I think is easy to understand and something that at least is like romanticized in society about like finding the one and all of that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, that it points out that it, it's not necessarily a, a sexual relationship within the romantic relationship that you can be romantically attracted to somebody without having to have that part of it, especially those individuals who are asexual as well. You know, this is something that is more of a, something that you can see yourself with that person and not necessarily be with that person, if you know what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I think that sexual attraction is always something that can come up. But the difference here is that like being with them is also something that's important to you. And that like, even if that means not having the sexual component, you're still interested. And obviously that means that you caught feelings. You're down bad. (laughs) That's another episode. We ain't going to go into that. Next one is physical or sensual attraction, which I alluded to uh, previously, to be physically cared for and treated with love and affection. It can occur with romantic relationships, but it doesn't have to. Think about all the people that you touch in non-sexual and non-romantic ways, friends, parents, children, siblings, for example. And I think Mm. this is very cool to, to note because there are a lot of those kind of attractions where it's nice to just be hugged or to be held and it doesn't have to be any of the other attractions. It could just be that. Yeah, this is a really interesting one and not one that I would have thought of, but I think that sometimes that's a big way to bond people is to be able to have a hug or a shoulder to cry on. So it's really interesting that, that that's included here. And I'm glad it is. Yeah. And I like the fact that you use that word bond. And I think that that is the most important part of the physical attraction part of it is you are creating that bond with a person through this act. So I think that's very cool. Next one is emotional attraction. To feel an emotional attraction is to want to be emotionally present with another person. When you want to share with them the things that you are feeling, you feel an emotional attraction. You may have this with friends, family, or romantic partners, or you may have some level of it with all three. Very interesting. This one has always been like very important to me. I'm always uh, a big advocate for sharing your feelings, sharing how you, like your emotions. And I think that with the theme of November being support, it's so important for you to feel heard and like feel like you can talk to other people. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a different experience. And I think that that, again, is such a big bond maker that it's shouldn't be overlooked no it shouldn't and for me personally being kind of an open book and willing to share my story and and share any type of emotional situation i'm going through what have you it's kind of easy for me to have those types of conversations with people and i never thought of it to be a, a, a part of an attraction towards somebody else and i would say being an lyf the emotional attraction has been more prominent, I would say, because everyone is just so willing to to be open with one another, to be there for one another, to allow other people to express themselves the way they want to. Even for you, for example, I think I would have an emotional attraction towards you because we do have this show together. We are able to be this open with one another, and it's just so easy for us to relate when it comes to these kind of things. So it's nice to kind of put a name to what it is that you're kind of experiencing. Yeah. And later I'll go over the the different factors that go into things, but uh, a big indicator of having that bond is feeling comfortable and having that connection in that way. And I think that when it comes to an emotional um, attraction to someone, it's really uh, knowing that someone understands you and your position. Mm -hmm. And of course, like it's going to make you like them more because they're in that position, right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool. And I see you have two more here, and I think these ones are the ones I'm most interested in. Yeah, these are the two that I didn't even know really existed until I did the research. So um, 
I'm very curious to see what you have to say about that. Next one is aesthetic attraction. This type of attraction is what happens when you see someone walking down the street and think they look good. This one has always been something I knew but didn't know this term for it. And uh, I always would get into debates with people about like, th- like being attracted to someone versus just thinking that they look good. Like, it, mm-hmm. like I think that there's a lot of stigma sometimes about like, oh, if you think someone looks good, that means you just want to be with them, you know? And it's like, right. no, not necessarily. And this is the word for it. It just means that you genuinely just think that they look good and it's an aesthetic thing. And so, yeah, I'm happy to hear there's a term for it and I'm not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not crazy. Yes, I would have to agree about that too. I know as an example that they had put on the website for aesthetic attraction was how we view celebrities or celebrity. (laughs) It's kind of that same mentality where you see a music artist or a movie star and, and you have this kind of aesthetic attraction. You don't know the person, you're not physically attracted to that person or you may be or or not physically attracted but maybe a sexual attraction where you're like oh i wonder whatever the case may be or not really emotion or not a romantic attraction i don't know if you can really do that with a celebrity or someone you don't really know know that is a bad bad thing but yeah i think it's it's all very interesting how it's all enveloped into one aspect and i think that this is more the case when it comes to for me personally fashion is one thing where you see somebody wearing something or because you know my passion one of my passions is golf golf is now getting to a more fashion sense where it's not like the things you usually see back in the day it's a lot more hipper there's a lot more character to it that when you see golfers in in a more fashion sense now it's kind of like oh this look really i want (laughs) to look like that I know my game is not the best, but at least if I look good on the course, everything would be fine. So it's kind of cool to see that it's all there within this one type of attraction. This whole episode is important because it tells you about like what your brain is interested in and all of these different things show you your desires and and what you're drawn to, I guess Mm -hmm. is a better way to put it. Like if attraction doesn't really portray that for you, just think about like instead of attraction saying... I am drawn to this and the different ways that it can affect you. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, lifestyles can make you drawn to it for some reason. And it's really thinking about what that lifestyle is offering to you and why it is you're so encapsulated by it. If you will. Yeah. If I could attribute a type of social media to aesthetic attraction, I would think that it'd be more of like a Pinterest, you know, you're, you're taking all these ideas, these things, these images that you see that you really like or are very interested in and, and you try to, you know, put it all into one board or whatever that case may be, it's more of an aesthetic thing. You're you're looking at the thing and you're like, oh, this is, looks really good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm attracted to this. So very cool stuff. And then the last one here is intellectual attraction, which I feel like has been kind of a newer thing as of late. This is something that I've been hearing recently versus things in the past. So intellectual attraction it refers to the desire to interact with people on a more cerebral level. You may want to spend time with them because of the topics that you discuss and because someone makes you think about things in a new and challenging way. Yeah, this one is probably one of the most important to me. I've always found such value in having intellectual conversations and whatever it may be, I love to just discuss and pick people's brains and think about it. And I'll, I actually have noticed this before where just recently I met a mutual friend, like we all went out to coffee together and 
they just were speaking such thought provoking things and really make me think. And I was like, wow, that's so refreshing. Like, I love to have that conversation. And so I definitely have experienced this. And I think that it is something way more important than what we give credit to. Absolutely. And again, this is another one of those attractions that I feel like I have been exposed to more through the Love Yourself Foundation and the people that are volunteering for it. But not even just that, but the community that LYF has built. There are just so many people who are intellectuals in their own right, in their own field or or their own area, that it's always so interesting to learn from other people, especially for me, not really diving too much into a lot of these things. And even the show, for example, is another great way of thinking of intellectual attraction. I'm learning things from you who you are a person that has gone through school, has learned all the knowledge that comes with psychology. Uh, and for me, not knowing any of that, all these discussions that we have is always enlightening. So it's it's very interesting to see that intellectual or into the intellectual side of things, there is an attraction towards that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really reflects like how the brain always desires to learn more and that if you're not feeding that, there's going to be something missing. And for, I mean, I guess maybe for some people, it doesn't feel like it's missing as much for other people. I know that I have people close to me that could care less about talking about politics or anything thought provoking in that sort of sense, controversial, if you will. Mm -hmm. But like, for me, I always find those so interesting and I like to be open to it and hear it all. So I think there's always a spectrum with all of these different areas, but I definitely see how each one plays a really big part in our life. Yeah, and I'll have to agree with that too. It's all very interesting stuff. Didn't know a lot of you know the examples of attraction, and now that I do know them, I I can at least pinpoint certain things of knowing exactly what it is that I'm attracted to. And I hope that everybody listening took something away from that as well. Part of the the things I wanted to talk about today were really specific to like a romantic attraction and what it means to seek out a partner in some Mm. sort of way. And I've always found this super interesting. And I've had lots of guy friends try to pick my brain about how to get a girl. (laughs) And it's always a fun conversation to have because it's super interesting. And I hope I know when I took like this class, I was always like, wow, like really cool. This is really interesting and useful. And so I hope that not only you, JR, but those listening kind of get something from it and understand more kind of how they go about relationships. Absolutely. I'm very interested in this. I'm starting to date again, or at least put myself out there to to meet new people. So it'll be interesting to see where all this comes about. You hear to hear, folks. JR hear. is available. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing that we learned, and this was definitely the most prominent, is that in the attraction process, there are two main indicators of who you end up with. And the single best indicator was proximity. So it says you're most likely to be with people. And this is the single best indicator. You're most likely to be with people that are close to you. And this is in location wise and not necessarily like close to you, like personally, like your best friend or something, but people that you are around a lot. So you're more likely to be really good friends with someone or 
date someone that is your neighbor or someone you see in an elevator a lot or just someone you're constantly exposed to, then you are someone that you only see at, at a meeting once a week at work. So it's really interesting in that light because you have to think about who you're surrounding yourself with. And I think this is what has really changed my perspective on not only dating, but like my friendships and my support system is that the people that are closest to me proximity, who do I spend the most time around? Those people are actually framing who I become as a person. Right. Yeah. It's, I want to stop using the word interesting. I think I've said that a times already, but <laughs> it is. here it is. It's fascinating. The fact okay. that those are pretty big factors and I, I can see that, you know, the people that you surround yourself with or you see all the time, you do start to maybe get some type of attraction, whether it's one of the, the ones that we talked about, you know, it could be an intellectual one or emotional one it could be physical. And sometimes it can be sexual too, depending on how, close you are with that individual so I, I do believe that especially with location too i think it's you know I, I i've never had a long distance relationship but i can understand how that might be difficult i know that some people make it work some people can't but i do see that it's a lot easier especially when they're let's just say here in las vegas way mm -hmm. easier to to be attracted to somebody who lives here versus somebody who lives in new york yeah. Well, the two main indicators are people close to you and people that are similar to you. And kind of the reasoning behind that with proximity is that when you're around someone or repeatedly exposed to them, it increases the likelihood you're attracted to them because you tend to feel safe with familiar people. If you think about what it's like to meet a stranger, you do have the anxiety. You don't know what to expect. You still kind of are shielding parts of your personality. Like there's a lot of things that go into that, but you don't have to necessarily be quote unquote on edge when you are around someone, you know them often. And that lets you kind of break down those barriers and you know what to expect from people. You can feel safe around them. And that lets you kind of sneak in a little bit more to feel interested in them. And I think that that's when you think about it in an evolutionary standpoint, that's something that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, the people that you're around with all the time and, and you start to see certain things within them and, yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend like I've never experienced something like that before. But I, I have that, you know, the people that are around me, there might be more of an attraction towards or, you know, I have a lot of female friends that, you know, are just friends. But then there are some times where there's somebody there that I'm like, hmm, maybe I can see us dating or yeah. maybe this could be a relationship. Who knows? Do I ever act on it? No, because I'm scared. I'm timid. I'm nervous. <laughs> so th usually those ideas just kind of stay within myself, but I can definitely understand how that all kind of develops. over. Yeah. And if you think about like past relationships and how you got together, like location is a big indicator. That's why a lot of people like find partners at work and at, you know, in their jobs and stuff like that. Or maybe it's a club that they go to or an organization they volunteer for. It could be anything. But on the flip side with similarity, I always have thought that was an interesting indicator because, and I see you have notes here about like attracting like, mm -hmm. the thing is with similarity, I've always heard that opposites attract All the and, time. and the, it's weird that you hear that, but like, at least in my class and, and what some research suggests that similarity is actually a bigger indicator. And to break it down, if you think about how 
comfortable you feel like personally when you're around someone that you know agrees with you that has the same interests as you that wants to do this same things like when you have that it, it feels easier than someone that's kind of constantly challenging you right and while i think it can be beneficial to date someone that's you know of course challenging you i can also see why being with people that are like like you <laughs> can be something <laughs> that you're interested in yeah i agree with that too i think that especially dating at an older age i say older 33 i guess relatively is not that old, <laughs> the difference between dating and when i'm 33 than when i was 23 feels way different now it's more so me finding that person that i can relate with that does have the same interests as me because it, it makes things like you said really easy in a relationship because we have a lot to agree on whereas when i'm 23 i think at that time i don't really know what it is that i want so i'll just take whatever and if we disagree on a lot of stuff that we just kind of just like okay that's i guess we just disagree but now, and I don't want to use time as, as a factor, but, you know, we don't want to waste our effort into finding somebody that we're not compatible with. Definitely, definitely. That yeah. we just kind of fall into that boat of finding that person that has the same interests. Mm -hmm. It's way easier. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And to kind of move to a different, I guess, tip, I guess, if you will, there's something called mirror exposure effect. And this can be a hack for you if you like someone and don't really know how to move forward. The mirror exposure effect is that the more often you see someone, the more often that you will kind of experience an attraction and likeness towards them. And you can kind of use this to your advantage because if you're around someone a lot, you'll know that they're experiencing that too. So maybe you don't have the guts to like directly ask them, or maybe they've already said they're not ready. Like just being around them can get them to feel that attraction towards you. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that that was something kind of fascinating. But again, if you think about the proximity thing being the most important factor, if they realize, oh, I'm around this person a lot, like I, I do know them and I feel safe around them. Maybe they are a potential partner. Like you are able to, to kind see that. Up to, yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. And so I thought that like learning that is kind of why the more often you hang out with someone, the better relationship you have, obviously. Yeah. And, and to experience that on the flip side as well of being at this age and feeling like you don't want to quote unquote waste time that sometimes you don't experience enough of that person because in the very beginning you think that, okay, well, I don't think this is really going to go anywhere. So let's just break this off and, and go our separate ways. That if you were to have stuck with that person or at least been still around that individual, you could have experienced that kind of warming up moment of just like, okay. Yeah, in the very beginning, I don't think that we were really going to go anywhere. But now that I've been around this person for three months, six months, that I'm starting to think that, okay, I can I can definitely see something here now. I am conflicted by that. And I am too. <laughs> and, and for the reason is, I think there's a very, 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 like, scarily thin line of when that works and when that's, like, harmful. And I think that, like... A lot of times in the first date, you'll have the feeling of like hard no or like I'll continue. Right. And like you're saying of maybe if you continue, it could have been something, you know, 
I think that while that's true, there, because it's kind of hard to explain where I'm thinking here. So I'm hoping you can follow. For example, my present boyfriend, who is amazing, when we first met, like the very first time, neither of us were really interested. Like, mm-hmm. like we weren't like not interested in each other, but both of us were like, something about it is off. I don't know. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't so much that I was like, I do not want to see him again. And I feel it in my gut that this isn't going to work, you know? And so I think there's a fine line between quitting early because it doesn't feel right. And then also knowing it's something's off, but staying through it, you know? And I want to make that distinction because I think that it's important to listen to how you feel, but I also know that, do you know, you know, you get what I'm trying to say here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'll give you an example as well. This, had happened to me we were dating for a little bit had great dates we were really into each other and then the the topic of conversation came up about really i was not ready to be in a relationship because of the things that i am involved in my mind is all over the place that i knew that i wasn't going to be able to give myself to that person in a relationship sense and that isn't fair i would not want to do that to somebody and and say yeah let's be in a relationship and you only really hear from me maybe 40% of the time, you know, she was ready for a relationship. And obviously being in this dating sense for a couple months, she could see something there. If she didn't see anything, she would have left a long time ago. Right. That once that conversation ended up happening, we had to go our separate ways. I don't want to waste her time. She's just trying to look for somebody to be in a relationship with. And the same thing for her is that, you know, if I'm not ready for a relationship, I just need to focus on the things I need to do. Then I'm going to focus on the things I need to do. So it ended up mm-hmm. splitting up. So that is also an example of that, of just for me thinking, did I make the right decision of not experiencing this a little bit more to see if I would be willing to be in a relationship? So this is that idea of if I was still in it, would have I warmed up to the idea of, yeah, let's take this to the next level. Or was it the right thing of just stopping everything? So that way that person has that time to go find that person that they want to be with. So I think that when it comes to attraction and it comes to this particular example, it's never black and white. Exactly. There's always going to be a gray area. It's going to be such an individualistic experience. Sure, we have all these examples and all this research and what have you, but it's all going to depend on you to make that decision. Definitely. And... There are a few things that I'm going to go over later too, which I'm excited about, but I always think that like, there's a lot of time we can waste in the, in considering the possibilities of things. But I think that the most beneficial thing that you can do is just really consider what it is that feels right to you at that time. And that's the best you can do moving forward, not only in relationships, but in any area of your life, just a random example for me, that's my job right now. And I know it's not right. And like, I'm focusing on how to make that right. And so just always having the mindset of what feels right to me. And I need to stand by myself in that decision, you know? Right. Just giving yourself that chance to go with the flow a little bit that sometimes you're not really going to have the answers. Sometimes those things aren't going to be right in front of you, but just to try your best and, and making the right decisions for yourself is key. 
And on the flip side, on a lighter note, I have a couple points here that I want to go over. So first side note, before I go into the two theories that I found really interesting in my class, regarding attractiveness, a lot of research goes into what makes people want to be with each other. And like I said, physical attraction is, no matter how much people want to admit it, like it's not, it is a big indicator because it's what draws you to someone without ever hearing them speak. Obviously, if you're not necessarily attracted to them and you hear them speak, that can be different. But Mm -hmm. like without hearing anyone speak, the first thing that you see is how they look and present themselves. And everyone has different factors of what they define as beauty and things that they're interested in. But something I read here actually is that you weigh a potential partner's attractiveness against the likelihood of success with that person. So it's not necessarily just about how attractive you think you they are and this really connects to what you said about celebrities like for example i love dylan o'brien and i like love him and but i would never leave my partner for him because my like comparison of success with my with dylan o'brien i don't even know him like why Mm. would i leave someone i know i love for him you know it doesn't make sense and part of this is that the second indicator is that if you think you aren't necessarily attractive you will seek partners that you also find fit that category. So we unintentionally can seek partners that we think are in the same league as us, which I think is super, super fascinating because I have friends that have been with guys that I totally am like, he is not cute girl. What are you doing? (laughs) And, but like it's on, (laughs) it's true. But I've also been with guys that my friends are like, girl, you deserve better than that. But the thing is that when it comes back to it is our, perception of our own self at that time and how you define and self-worth is so important and how you define your self-worth will be shown through the partner that you're allowing in your life really and I think that that is such an interesting tidbit to learn about yeah this kind of brought (laughs) some things to light (laughs) I'm just like oh okay so that's what that that's all about (laughs) personally this is what I'm experiencing and it's not necessarily you know getting unattractive people but that sense of self-worth and putting myself back out there, especially after dating somebody who I liked and it just unfortunately didn't work out, kind of put me in a, a, a state where I don't really see my self-worth, right? That getting back into dating apps, for example, when my mind is not ready to find somebody and not necessary to find somebody in a relationship, like it's just literally to meet somebody new, go on dates, if it gets physical, it does, but not really thinking about finding that one person, right? Mm-hmm. If my mindset is not in there, then that translates to the apps that I'm on or me having the lack of commitment to go to talk to somebody. And the people you match with. And the people like that I match me, with. Like for me, when I, yeah, when I look at partners I've been with and thinking like, why did I stay in that relationship or why did I even start that I look at what my mental state was at that time and it's honestly what you think you deserve and like that's a big kind of hit in the face when you Mm -hmm. think about it because you're like wow I thought I I deserve gaslighting you know like (laughs) like it's kind of crazy to think about but you actually do like put your what you think your success is and if you don't value yourself you're going to say I can't expect someone that I actually want to be with to be with me so I'm lowering the bar here to people that you know right no 100 percent, and that's exactly what was happening is i felt like i didn't deserve anybody had this great person that was in front of me and now she's gone that 
in my mind, I start playing tricks. I start saying like, I'll never find somebody like this ever again. Maybe this was a mistake. Maybe we should have been together, whatever the case may be. But in my head, I'm already telling myself that I don't deserve anybody right now. And it translated. When I'm going through these apps, no matches, no nothing, no conversations, no anything. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, why isn't anybody matching with me? Well, it's because <laughs> I'm already putting it out there in the universe that I shouldn't be matching with anybody. Or mm -hmm. I, I feel, again, that whole idea of people being out of your league. There have been multiple times where I'm on the app. And again, physical attraction, because all you see is pictures and maybe a bio. That I see somebody who is, in my mind, absolutely gorgeous. And I swipe to the left because I'm just like, there's no way. There's no way she's going to like me. No way. But then I start to get people on my apps that I'm just like it's reflecting of who I am of just like I don't feel like I'm attractive so the people that I get I'm not attracted to them so it's Second. just this perpetuating this idea of of this non-self-worth that I've noticed when I change my mentality and I start to tell myself that yes I am attractive people do like me that that's when I get more matches that's when people start wanting to have conversations that's why I get more attractive people that in my mind on these apps so it's just very strange how that all works within itself definitely yeah and that brings me to an exciting first theory which is sternberg's triangular theory of love and i can't really show you those who are listening but it's a, imagine a triangle and there's three points to the triangle of course the three points are intimacy passion and commitment and now what if you think about the triangle you think about it as a map and what you want to do is be directly in the middle of the triangle. That means that you have the perfect balance of intimacy, passion, and commitment. And this is something called consummate love. And that's basically when you have all three and they're all fulfilled as much as possible. Now, obviously, if you think of leaning one way or the other, maybe this, this theory basically states that there will be parts of your relationship that will fall more towards one side or lean more towards on the other. And obviously an ideal relationship would always have all three in balance, but maybe sometimes you're leaning more on the commitment side than you are on the intimacy side, or you're leaning more towards the passion side and less on the commitment. Like obviously if you think about starting a relationship, you're a lot in the infatuation mm -hmm. stage and that infatuation and passion go together. And when you're in that stage and you're all the way to the left in passion, you're not thinking about commitment. You're just thinking about like, the obsession with the person, how good it feels to be around them. And maybe you start thinking about intimacy more. And this isn't just like a sexual thing, but also divulging your feelings, your secrets, mm -hmm. who you are as a person. So all three of these things are a real interesting key to think about what it means to be romantically with someone. And I like thinking about it as a graph because it's interesting to know that like there can be parts of your relationship where you are more one way or more the other, but it's good to kind of consider where you want to be and how to balance all three of them together. I've never seen this before. I actually just wrote it out and, and put all the points on there. But yeah, I, I would say in my relationship history, which is not with many people, I think I've been in long-term relationships maybe two or three times. So, But I've noticed in these relationships that it, it, it is kind of ping-ponging back and forth between these three topics so you know in the very beginning it starts out with passion and then when we are 
intimate with each other, then it becomes intimacy and I'm a little bit more open-minded to to divulge more things to this person. And then eventually as time goes on, it goes straight into commitment or it will start to be in the middle of two of these. But I don't it's think just, I've ever experienced it being in the middle. Very interesting. Yeah. I think that a lot of times what happens is it starts off passionate and that's the honeymoon phase. And then obviously intimacy comes as you get to know someone and then the commitment comes. And I think that sometimes when people say the honeymoon phase is lost, it means that that passion that was in the beginning is fading and you're moving more towards the other end of the triangle with intimacy and commitment that you're losing that passion. And when you think about where relationships struggle, you can identify it to one of these three things, commitment. Maybe you're worried about cheating. Maybe there are things in, where they won't define the boundaries, you know, or passion. Maybe you like feel kind of mundane and like you aren't trying new things. You aren't mm. experiencing things together. Intimacy. Maybe there's problems because you feel like you can't share your feelings anymore or you're not having those intellectual conversations or like you can, you can really pinpoint the problems in a relationship to one of these three things. Yeah. I'm glad that you pointed that out as well, because I feel like a lot of times in the relationships that I've been in um, kind of sit right in between intimacy and commitment. That's usually where it's at that eventually at some point for me personally, the passion starts to fade away or that the passion fades away for the other person. And that's, you know, goes back to me not really seeing it in the mm -hmm. pretty much ever. So it's interesting to see it in a visual representation of knowing that, at least for me, the goal is to be in the middle, to know that when you start falling off into these different areas or into one area, to know that kind of bring yourself back, have a conversation with that individual and, and try to get it all squared away, you know? Actually, though, I will point this out. I remember my professor making this distinction very clearly. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle, even if that's what you idealize, obviously. But the goal is to be plot. If you plot it on the graph where you are in the relationship, the goal is for your partner to plot in the exact same place. And as oh. long as both of you are harmonious in where you're plotting where you are, then the relationship works because you have the same expectations, the same feelings about it. And and that's, that's where you want to be. So obviously for me, if I'm, you know, honestly, I am probably in the middle right now, but like, say I'm in the middle and my partner like, isn't in the commitment side, that's going to cause problems for me, obviously, because we're in a disagreement about our relationship. So you can see how the lack of harmony and where you're plotting is a big indicator of happiness yeah. as well. That's really interesting. Cause you know, I would automatically assume that being in the middle is the the most optimal place to be in for your relationship. But the fact that you said that as long as both partners are in the same area, that that is better than not. So yeah, there has been times where, you know, I was in the commitment area and then my partner was more in the passion area and we were not on the same level. Same thing with, you know, intimacy and I was, in, I was somewhere else. So, and I definitely noticed when those things were happening, the relationship wasn't in a good spot exactly so it's all really fascinating mm -hmm. it's really cool to learn about and that brings us to this and it's kind of like a math problem for relationships which is really oh. cool because i promise it won't be that hard but if you want to <laughs> look at how good your relationship is going this is the math problem for you okay it's called social exchange theory 
And it's that people are motivated to maximize benefits in a relationship and minimize costs. So basically maximize the good that you're getting out of it, minimizing the bad that's happening. Obviously pro and con list, right? Right. And so the development of a relationship is associated with the overall level of rewards. So here is what the equation is, okay? So it's the rewards minus the costs minus how you think the relationship should be. Now, obviously, this isn't a number that you can assign to it, but you want to take the rewards and think about all the good things about being with a person. Now, think about all the bad things with the person and hopefully the good outweighs the bad, right? (laughs) Right. And then also subtract how you think a relationship should be. Now, this part is really important because say the goods do outweigh the bad, but they're still missing factors that are what you would consider like, I need this in a relationship. I see this in a relationship. Now, all of these in this, so reward minus cost minus comparison level, all of that determines your satisfaction. Okay. So if you think of that as the first line, all of that goes into equaling satisfaction. Yeah. Now the second part is satisfaction. So what you got from that equation, satisfaction minus your comparison level for alternatives plus investments. So, so here's what that means, right? So I explained the satisfaction, how you get that. Comparison level for alternatives is, do you have other prospects in your life? So do you have friends that you could see yourself with? Do you have people that you have been interested in the past? Do you know that there are people that you could be with? Like maybe you know that you could go on a dating app and probably find someone that is willing to do that for you. That idea of how do they compare to me being with someone else? So the first comparison level and satisfaction is how you think a relationship should be. Mm -hmm. This comparison level is how do they compare to other people in your life? Like, could you be with someone better? And that's a really interesting thing to kind of try to conceptualize. But so the first part, when you get satisfaction, you see how satisfied you are, how it compares to other people that you could probably be with, and then add investment. And investment, I was told, is a key, key point, because a lot of times people won't leave a relationship that isn't good for them purely because they've invested too much. Right. So investments can, and that's why it's a plus, plus investments. And basically this whole equation is demonstrates your commitment to that person, just, just so you know what the equation's for. But the investments is basically, if you've been with someone for two years, it's harder to leave them. <laughs> One, because you've, they know so much about you. You've spent so many times, so many memories, so much money. They know so much. You've built such a foundation. It's hard to leave that and start. Also, you haven't been dating for two years. You don't want to go through that process again. You don't know how to go through that process again. And so that is such a big indicator for people and why they choose to leave a relationship or stay in a relationship. And all of these things together really come out to is it worth staying or are, should you leave? Right. Wow. I should have prefaced uh, ahead of time. I didn't do so well in math in high school. So <laughs> I had to make sure I wrote everything down. But this is all really, I'm going to use that word again, interesting stuff. <laughs> because it really shows how much of an honest person you are with yourself when doing this equation. Because you have to be. You have to be you honest have with yourself. To. You have to be honest with your partner. You have to be honest with everything in order for this equation to come out correctly. Because, you know, that example that you were saying of just seeing if you could be with 
friends that you're around or, or have some type of connection with somebody else. Like that's a really honest thing to say with it yourself, is. especially if you've been in a long-term relationship to say, oh yeah, my, my good friend, Julia, I could probably see us together, even though I've been in this relationship with somebody for three years. That's huge. And a little scary if you really think about it. But, you know, in in my head, I think that there are multiple people for one person. Depends on what life you're living. (laughs) I know. I think that at at certain points in your life, certain people come in there. They either are there to stay or they're not. There are so many people on this earth that you haven't even met yet that to me, it's easy to think that there are different people for you in different stages of your life regardless uh, whether or not that you act on that it's totally up to you that's a, that's the a choice that you make but this equation is is just all very interesting because i think of it as the same thing too especially with the investment part you know my first serious relationship was with my high school sweetheart we were together for 10 years wow so that was hard to leave that the next relationship that i was in was right after that, and that was five years. So you know the investment, <laughs> very That's much sure. so. But there was always those times where it was hard to have those conversations, or it was hard to come to that realization of when is it better to just break up than to stay with that person. So after that five-year relationship, I had stayed single for three years. Did not even put myself out there. I knew that there were things that I needed to do for myself before I could even start to entertain that idea the same kind of concept of you need to love yourself before you love anybody else so Mm -hmm. that was an investment in myself right that now got going into the dating world you know i might have to sit them down and go through this equation (laughs) i'm not sure you should do it necessarily in front of them because that's kind of first date that's what we're gonna do hey how's (laughs) your soup by the way Compare you to my other Tinder matches. Hold <laughs> yes. on. Let me go through this list real quick. But yeah, I, I, this is really fascinating. And I think that this can actually help a lot of people, if anything, to really see the worth of that relationship that you're in. Definitely. And just because you shouldn't, I always feel weird because I'm like, I hate to say like, don't be with that person, right? But just because you aren't going to be with them doesn't mean that like, there isn't someone out there meant for them too. You have to think about how if you're not happy, then they're in a relationship, like your partner's in a relationship with someone that isn't serving them either. And so I think that you need to remember that it's a mutual thing and that it's best for both of you to get out of it if that's something that needs to happen. Yeah, that example I gave earlier about the person I was dating for two months, I feel that same mentality of just, I think in a couple episodes ago, I talked about the dream that that person was there at that moment to show you what's possible, but not necessarily the person that needed to be in that space for you right now, that you just try to take all the good that came out of the relationship, regardless of how short or how long you were with that person. And to know that it, that is possible with somebody else that, you know, it's okay for things to not work out sometimes that it actually reveals more to you than you would have if you didn't. Definitely. And the last thing I want to note here is I read that when you are newly in love in that honeymoon phase, commonly coined, you tend to have kind of obsessive compulsive tendencies where it's that infatuation where you're just like, I want to be with them all the time, talk to them all the time, you know, do everything with them. And it says that our brain in a breakup is similar 
to quitting heroin, which if you don't know is like one of the hardest things to do. And it's like physically like damaging to you. And it's why they have to like wind people off of heroin. You can't cold cut it. And so it says that those who believe that breakups are physically painful are correct because we do feel a physical pain as we do feel that like attachment in the beginning. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's, I've experienced that. So I I can verify. (laughs) Yes, I can verify as well. Yeah. uh, Again, you know, I had experienced this recently, so it's, it's very fresh, but I do agree with that. Even though it was a short amount of time, the, the amount of time that you had spent with that person and what you could see within that person, when it doesn't work out, it hurts. Even if it was a decision that you wanted to make, right? Like in this example, it was the most adult thing to do. Have the conversation, be upfront and honest that you're not ready for a relationship. She was, we break it off, we go our different ways. But that doesn't mean that it's easy doesn't mean that it feels good and obviously everybody's different but for me being the emotional wreck that i usually am you know it's very hard <laughs> don't cry for me please cry for me <laughs> but you know it, it, it was tough you know it was something that i had to kind of talk to a therapist for to be as transparent as possible because it's been a while since that's actually happened that i do feel that and i and it makes total sense but you know coming out of the of that experience is making me a stronger person making me know what it is that I want for myself and knowing that you need to be upfront with that person, whoever that next person is going to be. So yeah, basically life is tough and all we can do is just use these tips, use these experiences as kind of a, a building block to get to a better place. Definitely. And I'm very happy we did this episode and we're able to explore that. Yes. And with that note, let's just get into the quotes. Let's finish it off on on a high note, all right? Let's make people smile, make them happy, make them want to experience attraction however way they want to, and I'm going to (laughs) stop talking so much and uh, get into this quote. My quote is, thoughts become things. If you see it in your mind, you'll hold it in your hand by Bob Proctor. What I get from this is honestly that desire aspect of like if it comes to you in your thoughts like it whether you know that it's a desire you're going to act on or not it is something that you have thought about and there can be value to exploring that yeah 100 percent. i remember reading the secret and the secret is all about the law of attraction and this is kind of the the words kind of sum that up a little bit of just you know if if you can see it if you can believe it it will become what it is that you want and that has kind of driven me into a better space nowadays of you know just try to think as positive as possible sure things happen not every day is the best day but you know if you want something if you desire something and you put it out there and be positive about that that eventually it will come back to you Mm -hmm. that's a good lead into my quote which is the mind has a powerful way of attracting things that are in harmony with it good and bad. Idawu Koyenikan. Exactly what you just said. It's, it's, there's so much power to our thoughts. And it's something that we definitely talk about some and maybe we'll dedicate an episode to it. But your thoughts are so important. And like I said, your self worth will be reflected in the relationships that you seek out. And so it's so important to make sure that you 
are doing everything to value yourself as well. Yeah. And just like it says in, in that quote, the mind is powerful. And I've experienced it on both ends, the good and the bad. And when you're really trying to add more of those bad thoughts, more bad things start to happen. When you start to think of good things, more good things start to happen. So it's really the way that you see it in your mind that that is what's going to come about. And that quote sums it up perfectly. Well, to close out the episode, JR, how can we use this to love ourselves? You know, I think attraction we typically put onto other people. A lot of these examples that we've gone over is a lot of external things, what it is that we're looking in a different person. But I think one of the key things that, that we need to know about loving ourselves is that we need to be attracted to ourselves too. And we need to wow. be able to develop those attractions within ourselves because it, it will translate into what it is that you're trying to find in, in others. That that is probably the most important thing about trying to love yourself. Yeah. And I'm so happy you said that because while it is all fun and games to talk about attraction and the things we can do and why we pick certain partners, you at the end of the day, like are with yourself for your entire life and make sure you're someone that you want to be with. And, you know, that'll draw other people that work well with you. And so I'm happy you said that. Thanks. I think that that's a, probably the best way to sum up this episode. Well, with that, we want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on Instagram or Twitter at the LY Foundation or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the LY Foundation. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and what attraction means to you. Also, please leave us a review of the LY podcast. That way we can continue to produce more content and grow the show. Thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home. Hello and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here spreading the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has not only in building a better relationship with yourself, but also with your community and with our beautiful planet. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can not only empower your relationship with yourself, but also empower your relationship with your community and with our beautiful planet. So if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.org. And we have a very special new addition to what we're doing. We now have a membership program called the Lifeline Membership Program, which offers support calls, group support calls, free admission to our events, workshops, specialized merch. So we also have special discounts going for students, teachers, frontline workers. So if you want to hear more about this, please go to our website at the LY Foundation slash membership for more info. Thanks for tuning in.